welcome to Herbology. I'm Anne. And I'm Kevin. And in this episode, we are going to be covering Wine on Herb, Season 1, Episode 2, Keep the Home Fires Burning. That's right. And this one was written by Emily Andrus, directed by Ron Murphy, and it aired on April 8th, 2016. It's a long time ago. <laughs> You're just now noticing that? <laughs> <laughs> what is time, Kevin? That's what right. is time? That's right. <laughs> Thanks for coming back, everyone. Obviously, we didn't scare you away with our first episode. Oh, hopefully not. Hopefully not. Only good things. Yeah. No, not based on the feedback. We've got a ton of great feedback on social media and some emails, too. So thank you, folks. That's wonderful to see. It was so nice to see that trickling in. And, and Kevin and I both have access to the Twitter account. And it was so funny because I would go in to, to click like for things, and it would give me a heart, and then it would take my heart away because <laughs> Kevin had already hearted it. <laughs> So it was like this game I was playing all day for like two days. It was like, oh, I like this. Took my heart away. <laughs> I was like, Kevin already hearted that one. <laughs> yeah, just uh, kind of getting into the rhythm, covering things, and, uh, both on the show and then the social side of it. But no, we, we greatly appreciate it. It's wonderful, as you folks know, you know, this community and this family and getting some thoughts on things, adding some additional ob observations, questioning some of our thoughts. Uh, it all makes for a ton of fun. So please do keep it coming. Keep it coming. We like it. We like seeing your theories. We like when you say, I can't believe you saw that or what were you thinking? We'll take it all. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. All of it. That's the fun. I mean, especially for this podcast, since we're trying to look at the whole history of the first four seasons and what's happened on the show and everything else. This, this is definitely the one where we want to you want to hear about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, my notes for this one are all over the place. I like, I vacillate between not thinking I have enough content to even cover a whole podcast <laughs> to then having way too much content. And I'm like, okay, now I have seven pages of notes. Let me pare this down. <laughs> that sounds like Kevin note-taking. I'm actually finding myself <laughs> taking a little less for these because I know we're going to grab a rabbit hole or two uh, and run with it. And, and again, kind of our off-the-cuff spoiler warning, if, if you are new to the Herbverse or to the show, realize that our podcasts are going to cover all four seasons. All content is in play here, folks, not just up through this episode. I just want to be absolutely clear so we don't get anyone upset with us because I saw there's a couple of new people who were active on Twitter today talking about, hey, someone told me I should watch the show. I'm starting tonight. So if that's you... <laughs> Stop yeah, listening you now. Should back up. Stop listening. <laughs> this is not the podcast for you. Let's no. inclusive as we want to be. We do not want to spoil this for you at all. Nope. nope. Remember in the last episode, which I hope you remember back at least one episode since we've only done one episode so far. I mentioned that I watched the pilot and it was just kind of like meh for me the first time that it didn't really like grab me. And then I took a few months break. And then I found some way hot stuff online. And then I went back think like, cause I was like, wait a minute, that Western demon show has women loving women in the storyline. I'll go back. So I went back to it and that's bam. When I got hooked was this second episode. So I feel like I need to apologize profusely to everyone involved in the show for not giving it <laughs> one more freaking minute because had I just gone to the next episode, <laughs> I would have been sold, but I was like, eh, I got dishes to do and some other things I got to do. And so I'm like, 
I'm watching it this time around and I'm like, I didn't just go to the set. Why didn't I just go to the second episode right away? Because I would have been hooked. That's all it took was second episode. (laughs) Well, as we often say, though, you can't live in the past. It happened for a reason. Just makes you appreciate it even more. You know, I think so. You know, that's 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 part of the fun. uh, I think, you know, it's. And, and as we say, this, while this might have aired in 2016, um, certainly in the last couple of years, uh, you know, there's what now? More than 500 scripted TV shows available each calendar year. So come on. I mean, years ago, some of us, you were checking out a show. You might give that show four or five episodes before you even had a thought of maybe giving up just to see what it might become and to see what was going to be on it. Nowadays, like you said, man, so, you know, there's just so much out there. It's it's hard if it doesn't grab you right away. And you know that great example. We mean right away. And who knows if you come back? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, clearly nothing would happen in this episode that would interest me at all. <laughs> I mean, the storyline has nothing for me. Uh, so much so that I ended up purchasing a script from Herb Curse Con of this episode. Purely because I'm like, oh my gosh, I have, I have to have this episode. I have to have it. I get it. Oh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> now, another interesting thing, because we're going to do rabbit holes on this podcast, because I know you do a great job. Certainly you have on, on the Why Not stuff, even with our first one here, of coming up with a fun like title for the episode based on things we talk about. Mm-hmm. One thing I noticed now, starting to think a little that way, um, and we'll get into some of this in discussion, but... To me, and I know I realize it's the second episode of a show, just like the first episode or the third, in the sense that you know everything's new. Um, so you're you're seeing some stuff for the first time or, or meeting some characters for the first time. But to me, on the rewatch, especially consideration for this uh, discussion, this episode has so many firsts in it. Okay, it's the first time we see Nicole. First time we have Way Hot together. It's the first time we see the Earp sisters by a fire. Mm-hmm. It's the first time we get shit ticket mentioned. Yep. Okay. Uh, it, there's just so many first time. I mean, the first time we see Bobo. I mean, there are so many things that are so iconic. And first time we hear tacos mentioned. Okay. I mean, there's just, to me, it just, it hits me very hard in a good way. How much of these things is just going to keep coming back and back and back and become the foundation of so much of why we love the show. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, obviously there's going to be a lot of firsts because it's yeah. It's only the second episode. Yeah. We're still at the beginning, but it's I guess how impactful those firsts That's have become. Yes. Yeah. Because it could just there there are other firsts in the show too, but there it just seems like when I was going back I I have all my notes and then I started highlighting things. I was like, oh, I really want to make sure that, you know, if we run out of time that I get this one. And then it was like that classic college textbook thing where you just start highlighting the whole page and you're like, now all the highlights have just lost all their meaning. <laughs> now I've just highlighted six pages. It's all just highlighted now. <laughs> and I'm going to have to admit that I am actually proud of myself because for those of you who've listened to Tales of the Black Badge with Bonnie and I, she always has a good chuckle when she looks at my notes and says, Kevin, your notes are basically the entire script because I mean, that's, you know, I get into it by putting so much down and this time around on the rewatch for the sake of this podcast, 
I have been telling myself, literally much like someone who plays sports, you know, take a deep breath before you start. I'm, I'm telling myself, don't take too many notes, Kev. Let it wash over you. See what catches your eye. See what you hang on and then make notes on that for the discussion. And I think that's part of why I really noticed the firsts because I kept saying, oh, oh, look, that's this. This is the beginning of, you know, each of these things. So that's mm -hmm. where it really kind of caught me in it. And there are also a couple of other things we're going to bring in where I went, oh, that is so subtle, but that is so big for later on. So I'll save those for when we kind of get there. It's knowing you, you're going to have some of that too. Gotcha. And also you might find this interesting listeners. Kevin and I don't like collaborate on what we're going to pick for so far. We're still, you know, formulating how we're, we're mm -hmm. funneling this, these episodes down, but we kind of just watch it so far and see what we both come to the table with and go from there. So it'll be interesting to see what you chose to, to narrow down on and kind of pick for your central themes for this episode. That being said, I focused right off the bat on on the lore and the storytelling. You know how this episode really starts to show us what's to come here, what what this curse is about. We learn so much about what peacemaker is and can do. We see more of those those um the symbols in the show and it all just you can see right here on episode 2 how rich the storytelling is right off the bat. Yes. And the, the interesting thing too is that, as you said at the very beginning, this episode is also written by Emily. So oftentimes on a show, you know, your first episode is your showrunner or lead writer dumping a bunch of lore, like you said, and then episode two sometimes just goes in a totally different direction. But since Emily wrote the first two, again, she's reinforcing a lot of those things here. And, and in her great work on dialogue, it doesn't feel like exposition, like you said, the peacemaker stuff. And a lot of the discussion, certainly between Dolls and Winona, is reminding us of revenants. You know, that's the word we're going to be using. You know, Dolls tries to use something else. Winona is reminding her revenants, reminding him rather revenants. And so, so, I mean, some of those things are being dropped in nicely in just the natural course of the dialogue. Yeah, I, I actually, I have that in my note. It's just saying how... I like how the lore comes out through the scenes. It's not just a character flat out telling us this is why this is. Mm -hmm. you know, we have the flashbacks. We have, I, I guess let's go into Peacemaker, for example. So we have the opening scene where Dahl sends Winona into the nightclub in this opening scene. You mean, wait a minute. You mean, you mean the reunion of all the blondes in Purgatory? <laughs> And I had to go back because I was like, I remember this bothering me because I was like, where is this nightclub? Um, but later on in this episode, so in my other podcast, it bothered me. I was like, where's this nightclub we never see again? Later on, Dahl says, um, despite our trip to the big city, mm -hmm. the revs seem to be concentrated in purgatory. Yes. Yes. So there's a little bit we learn about the curse and it's like, okay. He was in the big city. It's not purgatory proper here. But so, yeah, we've got the the, the blonde reunion. <laughs> and he sends her in without Peacemaker. And he gives her a government-issued weapon. And she's like, but wait a minute. I'm pretty sure only Peacemaker can do this job. And he's like, well, we don't know that for sure. And I remember being so mad at Dolls in that scene. Like, why aren't you just listening to her? Why are you sending her in there? without the appropriate tool, 
And even at that point, I don't know that Peacemaker can do what she just said it can do, but I'm I'm just already on her side, right? Not on his side. Um, but now going back, I'm like, I guess that was the test, really. He just, she was kind of the guinea pig. Well, we also know, as we're going to certainly see with season one playing out, you know, both, I think, from a story point of view, but also from a relationship point of view, that you know, we don't really like dolls because he no, is just first. by the book. I've been through this before. This is just the local that I have to deal with to a certain degree um, before it, it eventually changes. So a, like you just said, that makes us really appreciate and pull for Winona more because while dolls is helping, he's also kind of doing it at an arm's length. Certainly as we watch his interaction with Nedley and even his interaction with Nicole um, mm-hmm. you know, all those things very much not we're together. I'm me and you're just along for the ride. So I like that that certainly reminds me of where he came from and how far he's going to come to be a part of that too. So I, it's just, it, it, it just makes me appreciate Winona even more, uh, and realize what she's going through. Even as we've heard Oboe talking to Doc and some of the other remnants that had a couple points in this eps, um, you know, they, they were just totally not even given Winona as the heir a second thought. Now they're realizing there's, there's a lot more to her. So I, I right. love that. I love that, seeing that really built up and, and discussed on all sides of it, the good guys, the bad guys, uh, and us as a viewer being more aware of some of this too. You know, so this is where she says crazy chick with a gun, mm-hmm. right? And uh, she, which has gone on to be a big tagline as well. Just say it all the time. It's right there from second episode uh it's just so funny too because it's like you immediately pick out and it's like we've been like that's from season you know episode two and say it all the time now say it all the time Mm -hmm. everything is so quote worthy gosh it's so crazy can't handle peacemaker she's the only one who can but she drops it oh my gosh i love that too she's like (laughs) but she's so confident too and then she just drops it right there and it just shows how she's you know She's not good at it yet. She's just not good at it. But then there's that part of me where it's like, did Peacemaker fall on part? Like, how much in control is Peacemaker? Like, mm-hmm. could Peacemaker make itself just like imbalanced a little bit so that she'd drop it just to give her that, like, come on. Yeah, don't get too don't cocky. Get too big, too big. Yeah, too big for your britches. Uh, but yeah, so then in the office later on, too, we see where. You know, Winona says only Peacemaker puts them down for good as long as I hit them between the eyes. So here we, you know, through a story, we're getting, okay, definitely Peacemaker does it and that she's got to hit them between the eyes. Mm-hmm. It's a good piece of information that we get. And then we get some more story about the curse too. When we have dolls doing the target shooting with all those various weapons and Winona's just getting so excited about them. So that scene I love because we get more of the curse. We get more of the, you know, the, the backstory where he starts talking about, you know, yet the revs seem to be concentrated in purgatory, like I said, and that BBD is a top secret branch of the U S marshals. And, you know, they're out to eradicate the paranormal forces. And it started in the 1900s with Ted Roosevelt and that Edwin, the one year wonder, uh, worked with the branch mm-hmm. so it's just like okay this goes way back this curse this family legacy and it 
I noticed too this time that Dahl's like writes down in his book some of the stuff that Winona's telling him. So as much as he seems to come across like he has all the answers and all the information, he doesn't have all the information. Oh, no. He's very good at making like he knows everything when he doesn't. Let's, let's definitely see that. You know, he, he plays the, the know-it-all. Um, mm-hmm. I'm in full charge and know what's going here when no, that's definitely not the case. But you're, you're right. It was, it was a nice way to set up that story. Uh, and I also loved for me, because this hit me right away on the very first time I watched this episode, Mel's faces in that scene with the guns, um, what she brings there just in terms of the, uh, you know, excitement about all the different weapons and everything there uh, really caught me that first time through and just really enamored me to the character and to what she was bringing to be doing it. Uh, right there. That's actually one of the things when I had the opportunity when Sci-Fi st- used to do media calls to help promote their newer shows. They get a few of the cast members together and then allow folks from the media to you know ask questions in advance of the premiere. Since I had already seen this episode, the first two, uh, and this media call happened about a week before the show aired, that was my question for Mel, was were any of those faces or, or that idea of making faces in the script um, you know, in some way? And she said, no, that was just her, you know, bringing Mel to Winona. Uh, and how right. much, how important is that going to be going forward throughout the four seasons? Well, and I was curious too, because we have episode, we have the pilot episode, then we have this episode. Do you know, like how much period of time was between when they shot the pilot and when they shot episode two? Because sometimes pilots are shot, you know, well in advance and that's what they get picked up off of. And then they start shooting the other things. Right. Yeah, that does sometimes. I do, I do not believe that was the case here. I think this was a standard shooting one and two. You know, they do block shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so normally they've got a couple of them going at the same time. And I, so I don't think there was any prolonged period, certainly between one and two. It just seemed like such a, like Mel's confidence or like it just seemed to shine so much more in episode two. Like she just like hit the ground running in episode two. Well, and I don't know if that was just like the change in tone between episode one and episode two. That's an interesting thought. I mean, I do know for me, um, I found it very interesting as many Arpers certainly have probably also as well. When they gave us just a small sampling of some of the uh, auditions that each of the cast members did to get their roles. And and that audition of Mel when she was blonde, chewing gum, (laughs) um, doing, doing the lines for Winona, you know, as we've seen now after four seasons, how great of an actress she is. I'm wondering how much the confidence was natural and how much she just chose to bring it to the character, figuring at that point in things, whether it seemed more appropriate. And again, we're going to see like this, the shift going forward too, just like the exponential growth just from episode one to episode two, where it feels like, yeah, that it just, it just seems like the confidence level has completely gone up from episode one alone. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why by the time we get to 412, we're just like, oh my God, what can't this woman do? Right. Especially with their face. My God, the face, the exactly. tears. The exactly. That's why that everything. had to be my first question was to ask about that because it just made such an impression on me. Well, we'll see if she's lying when I get my script, Kevin. <laughs> I'll see if it says, Mel, do something weird with your face right here. 
uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll check back with you. <laughs> All right. Put a pin in that one. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. And then this, this thing, okay, here's where my Erper card might get taken away from me. And this is why I'm never going to claim to be an expert on any of this subject matter, because I know I talked about the symbols last time, you know, on peacemakers, peace, that we see the inside of peacemaker and we see the symbols on the outside of peacemaker when it glows. I just now realized that each revenant has a symbol on them, like on their head, right before Winona shoots them. It lights up, yeah. You know. Yeah, it lights up. And I just always thought it was like this weird crack on their face and the fiery crap inside them was kind of like shining through the crack. It's a symbol and it's the same symbol on each and every one of them. And it's the same symbol that Bobo has on his stinking back. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where I was 900 (laughs) other times that I watched this. And it's like an upside down anchor or something. And then I started to go down all these rabbit holes of looking up like, who else has talked about this? And then I found a Tumblr post where someone's gone into great detail about <laughs> the symbols and what they could be from. And I had to stop, Kevin. It was I was going too far down the hole. I had to stop. <laughs> oh, we could all appreciate that, can't we? I was like, I do not have time for this. I'm just going to make a note that I don't know where I was, but then I noticed it on on all the revs. Mm-hmm. and. What does that mean? <laughs> we never find out what it means. At least not through the end of season four. No. <laughs> I need answers, Kevin. This is the kind of well, stuff well, that we are gonna get, up at night. <laughs> well, we are going to get some. We know we're not going to get all of them. But, you know, there's, and there's also a couple of small bits in here. Again, brain pinging in all directions. Talking about things you notice. Um. And I cannot say that I noticed these two on any of my earlier rewatches. Maybe because I'm trying to put myself to the test, knowing you're going to keep me honest here. In the scene where Levi and Doc go to recruit Killer Miller, um, and you know they need Doc because he's mortal for the blood, and um, so he goes up to like Miller's—I don't know what you want to call it—cave or <laughs> whatever that spot. Um, you know, and he, and he cuts his hand, he puts the blood up there and then Miller starts his, you know, his chant of whatever. And, and, um, and it's, it's like Miller's got some kind of, I don't know, like he's sucking him in, like he's pulling doc in, in some way almost. Mm-hmm. And that doc is flailing and all that. And I didn't catch it again, just by listening. I caught it with the subtitles on and with just paying more close close attention to it when doc is talking about what's going on and all this stuff and you know you couldn't have told me earlier you needed a a sacrifice or something whatever doc says quote i won't go back in the dark and we come to find out so much later how, how much he fears that from everything that went on with his mother and the well and everything else. And and it has got the craziest goosebumps, <laughs> Kevin. And, and there's Emily setting that up right here in just a quick throw. What sounds like a throwaway line watching episode two. But as soon as I heard that, I'm like, oh, shit, that's right. He, he, he is so afraid of the dark. He won't go back. Yeah. And it's and it's not just the well. Like we at that point in time, we just think it's the well. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't got, you know, the full story of what we're going to kind of try to see play out to it and i'm like oh wow 
All right. So talking about the seeing the runes or the things, I mean, how many times have I watched that scene or that episode? Just like you said, it, and I, it didn't click. The dark mention didn't click. Just like the other thing that just knocked me over with a feather was when Killer Miller is out there, when Dolls is there, and Waverly's trying to dig out, um, you know, the little talisman next to Pikachu. Um, and Killer Miller tries to go towards Winona and realizes, oop, nope, yep, you know what I want. Turns around to go towards Waverly. He said, <clears throat> excuse me. He talks about how at that point, um, he says, Bobo will be sad to lose you, little sister. Yes. Bobo's angel. That whole thing. We haven't even seen that yet. That's how many episodes down the line? But she's right. already dropping it right here. Bobo's going to be sad? Even, what? What? Yeah, I didn't even think about it then either. Like, it just went over my head. Like, yeah. why didn't I stop and go, why, why would he be sad? Why would he why be, would sad? be sad? Yeah. Like, but there's so much, it's so fast. Everything's happening in 43 minutes or however many minutes it is. And it's just like some stuff you just toss to the side, right? Mm -hmm. Until you're cuckoo crazy bananas like we are now. (laughs) And then we go back to it. Another thing that I noticed, and again, it's like, once you start putting all these layers on top of each other after the fact, you're like, oh, that, like, how did we miss that? Um, Dolls was eating a salad in the office where Winona's telling him about Peacemaker. And that during that time when she's like, this is the only thing that can br- bring the revs down. And then that just piled on top of me because of the line in the bar with Quinn in colder weather, um, 303, where Winona's asking everyone if they knew Dolls was, di- if Dolls knew he was dying. And Quinn says, I never saw anyone eat so much kale by choice. And then that paired with the part when Winona pointed out that he was eating um, dairy in his cheeseburger in 301. And he's like, well, sometimes you just got to eat a cheeseburger. Right. But it's not until after the fact that we realized that Dolls had this like strict diet and was doing everything in his power to live longer this whole time. Like, right, right. He had this like crazy diet regimen, but it was like, why is she making such a big deal out of his cheeseburger? And that's like the day before he dies. Mm, yes. Wow. Good catch. Good. See? But it was like, why is his salad so like, it's just like so in my face, like that he's crunching on this salad. And I'm just like, what? And I'm like, oh my God, he's eating a salad in that episode too. It was right in front of us this whole time. <laughs> and again, it might not, it might've just been like, I don't know what should he be eating? I don't know. Throw a salad in there. It, it might've been that simple, but now. Come on I'm now. Like, Come on now. We're going to tie these things in, whether they were really planned <laughs> or not. That's why sometimes I don't want to know. I just have more fun assuming it was on purpose. Exactly. Right. Because I'm like, oh my gosh, sometimes a salad is just a salad, but I'm just, I'm going to say it probably, probably wasn't. Emily, um, if you're listening, don't tell yeah, me. I'm, wrong, I'm careful, careful. Just let me believe careful, this. Careful. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Yeah. See this, and this is why these are the kind of things that you know. I, I just, I'm sorry. I get a little awestruck thinking about how many times I've watched these episodes of the show, and it just didn't click. And and now some of these things are, um, you know, whether it's us or or some of our listeners decided to share something. So, uh, 
I just hope that the folks who have come to the show in the last year or two, especially, or the folks, even if you've been around for the whole time, if you're not re-watching, if you're not purposely going back just to watch it build from episode one to episode 49, you're probably missing so much. Um, I mean, I know we all like to binge things and like come to something late, talking about this in our first recording. You know, the tendency is just to fly through them because you want to feel, you want to get caught up. You don't want to be spoiled and you want to be able to say you've seen it all. But man, there is so much more here. Um, whether you're choosing to look for it or you just get lucky and fall on. Because I never, I never did, I never did subtitles on shows when I watched them until Earp. <laughs> Yeah, this, uh, I'll, I'll probably say it in every episode, but this show has changed the way I watch television. It's changed my appreciation for television. And it's um, it's changed what I'll watch. Like, I feel like I no longer uh, settle for certain shows, especially after I hit the 13 and 13 minute mark in this episode where all of my content changed forever because that's when somebody walked into shorties and my whole world changed and I will never settle for subpar television ever again. <laughs> and thinking back to the very first time when we interviewed Kat, and she was, do you think they're going to like me? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Uh, that's when the face that launched a thousand <laughs> ships walked in. I mean, she at least launched two ships that I know of way hot and why not? Uh, not to mention the fanfic, which I won't get into now because Kat and I are going to cover that in our next episode of the Serper life, but uh, Nicole hot. Wow. I mean, there's a lot of good character entrances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're all good in their own right. Um, but like, who knew, right? Who, who knew that this would turn into way hot? Yeah. I, you know, when it comes to, and Emily's talked about this many times, um, you know, you, you think you have something when you have, you know, you've got your script and your story and, and you, you know, hire actors. But when that chemistry happens, that's magic. And, and that's there on the screen. Do you remember what it was like on Twitter after that or during that scene? Because people were live tweeting back then, right? Yes. Yep. I mean, this was a case of where a lot of folks naturally followed Emily from her work on Lost Girl. Kind of knew something was probably coming. But, you know, and it's certainly I'm not the best one to speak to its impact, you know, but it's, it's definitely out there. Um, you know, I, I wish there was like a, a saved portion of a, of a live tweet or something to be able to go back and see what it what it really was. But I mean, it it, it definitely was impactful. It was definitely something obviously was big. I mean, you know, running polls to, to come up with the name for the ship. Obviously, folks were now very interested in what was going on and, and what it all was going to mean. Um, and, and as we know now, too. I mean, the character of Nicole is is very light in the first half of season one, too. So, I mean, even after this sparks and magic, it's still really a while before things really start to go. I mean, there's the little 
there's the little hints of it, mm-hmm. definitely. You know, immediately ships were being launched and there was there's way hot like HOT. And then there was like hot, what were the other ones? I've got to find the link for the poll that Bonnie created. I had it too yes, for something no else means. I did, and it's just <laughs> passing me now. But the thing that blows me away on it is there were like, what, a couple hundred votes? <laughs> right. Yeah. It cemented this because it. it was, again, the fandom was so small, so teeny back then. <laughs> yeah. And, and I just know there, there were so many folks, obviously, that found the show because of clips on YouTube and hearing from friends and seeing them on social media, um, you know, that, that brought so many folks to it. Cause let's face it, this was not a show that had much promotion. Again, sci-fi is not known for putting a lot into promoting their shows. So it was definitely the, the little show that could once things started to come together for, you know, way hot and, and even all of the show as a whole in terms of, what it was doing and, and how special it was turning out to be with the characters and the relationships and all, but it was the term under the radar doesn't even begin to describe, um, you know, where it was at that point until like you get a chance to turn it into what it's become. I just, it's, it's one of those things that I think back on having, because I was there in the sense of from the beginning of there was so much of a chance that this never got beyond one season. We just, just, Step back and try to think on that, folks. If, if you know, a low-rated show, not a ton of reviews, not a lot of media covering it, um, like a lot of other shows we've seen since then that just go by the wayside after one season, and you never know what it could have been. So just count our blessings that, uh, you know, we got a chance to, to come back, and, and Emily and her amazing team got a chance to write to these wonderful actors' strengths and Kat and Dom got a chance to just grow this. I don't know. Just It's it's like anything else in life. Sometimes you never know what might not have happened. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, we're not going to talk. We're not going to fast forward to everything with them because we have plenty of episodes where more things are going to come out that we can really tie into things that we see don't we we already know happened. Um, but yeah, just watching the relationship grow, seeing where it started here from just this like glint in each other's eye where, I mean, you can definitely see that Waverly's definitely interested. Um, the business card and just the character name alone to have Nicole's last name be hot. It's just, it's just perfect. And, and and not only like, oh, of course that, you know, when Waverly's like officer hot, of course. And then all the jokes that came on Winona's end with, you know, officer hot wheels and officer hot to trot and just every single excellent pun that they have used with the name is, is just brings so much joy. <laughs> That's a great that's a great way to phrase it. It's the joy that it brings. It's just how can you not laugh? And then also, how can you not just like think of how much patience that Nicole as a character has to have to put up with the constant nicknames from Winona, mm-hmm. right? This love language they have between them. It's too much fun. I also like to think that the vows between Nicole and Waverly in 412 are a little bit of a, a nod to this episode. 
where she says, I promise to hold your hand when the firelight grows dim and that my love never will. And then how episode two is called Keep the Home Fires Burning. I mean, it's about fire in both of those. It's got to be connected. And, and, you know, how many of us can think about different points in our lives? However old you are, it really doesn't matter. But when you've had those moments when something happened and you were like, huh, like you, you notice it doesn't mean, you know, it's life changing, but something happens and, and you're like, huh, you know, it, it makes you kind of go, okay. You know, it, it, it catches your attention. It makes you stop and think or stop and realize that you have a feeling you haven't had before or something like that. So, you know, those moments, especially when you get to go back, whether it's a TV show to relive it or, you know, uh, someone you become good friends with or in some way become a, a partner or whatever phrase you want to fill in here. But, you know, when you get a chance to go back and revisit that or relive it in some way, shape or form, you know, that's, you know, we, I don't think you get many of those in life. So when you have one, just going back and watching it, you know, I know for me, even just watching the relationship and rewatching the episode, knowing it's coming, just knowing it's coming, that excitement. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I'm just it's one of those things I just I appreciate. And, and uh, you know, it, it kind of gets me each time, whether it's, you know, whether it's a relationship based item or or like I said, just even the mention of, of tacos for the first time. When we think about all the things that have become part of what this is and the fact that any of us anywhere can just blurt out tacos are tasty and instantly know we found <laughs> friends by just looking at the reactions of other people. Just think about that in life, folks. Think about how foolish that is on the surface, but how much it means to every single one of you listening and to us here. Okay. That's I was talking <laughs> I was talking with someone and they said that when they were on their way to a con at the airport, they were saying tacos are tasty, waiting to hear another Erper call back. Like this is how they were finding out if other Erpers were like going to be on their flight. Yep. They would be walking down the airport just saying tacos are tasty. And it was like a Marco Polo kind of situation <laughs> exactly. where they're waiting for someone else to call back tacos are tasty. And it was happening. <laughs> Well, hilarious is that. It's just like you you know if you call that out to the ether in the right place, you're going to get it back. I feel like I missed tacos in this episode. It, Where was tacos? Tacos was, was when Dolls and Winona, when it was she was getting ready to go into the club and he, she wanted to have a bet about what was going to happen, and he said he doesn't, you know, he doesn't gamble. And she was saying it should be over dinners. It should be over dinners. So at the end, when all uh, everyone's running out and they're talking about it. She was right that she needed Peacemaker. So she deserved dinner. And she basically said, you know, I'll settle for tacos. Now I have to go watch it again. (laughs) Totally missed that. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) Yeah, uh, just like I say, foundational things. Gosh. Tacos and nachos in the show. Speaking of that, because I think it's kind of related here. It's also for me, talk about the, or at least for Kevin anyway, kind of, you got kind of, the point where I kind of take a breath in and a little hair are standing back on back of my neck when Doc and Waverly are talking at the bar and she tells him, I'm an erp, er, erp, er, erp, er. That's when we knew what we were all going to be called, gang. I mean, every fandom, you're a fan of a show, you've, there's some name used for them. That's where it came from, was right here. Because this was the second episode. After the first episode had aired, and again, small fandom, but active on Twitter, it was like, 
there were discussions about, okay, what are we, you know, what are we going to call ourselves? And I had already seen this episode before it aired. And I knew that Erper thing was in there and obviously very much didn't Emily because she wrote it. So I just recall that there was some discussions and I remember purposely kind of not engaging in a lot of those thinking, just wait till the episode airs, Kevin, and everybody <laughs> is going to jump on that. And sure enough, they did. So that's one of those, again, foundation things where, right. you know, so hearing that now on a rewatch and realizing, you know, again, what it means to all of us, just chef's kiss. That that scene is one of my most puzzling mysteries that I need to solve in the fandom because hashtag Erper predates that episode. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there probably were. But I know it was solidified once That's what I was the episode say. came out. It's like anything else. When people are talking about something or, or ship names, you know, two characters come on a show, there might be people who are thinking, but this is what made it. Boom. No oh, doubt. absolutely. You know? Solidified. There was some discussion that a lot of folks weren't excited by the name. Got to say that. Huh? Yes. Not negative. Just like, I don't know. Herper? Does that? Yeah. Waverly yeah. said it. Okay, okay, fine. I remember seeing a tweet that was like, oh, it kind of sounds like someone's throwing up. <laughs> <laughs> I should probably use the, or maybe I should have in advance of my recording, you know, use the Twitter advanced search and, and looked up some of Bonnie's tweets or some of mine um, that week leading up to it, because I'm sure there were discussions we were all kind of having, you know, once the first episode had happened and folks were looking forward to the second one. And who knows, maybe... Because, you know, she's brilliant at it. Maybe Emily was steering things a bit with some comments. Who knows? I mean, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying Emily named the Phantom. Oh, she did. You heard it. She did. First. She Again, she was thinking ahead, I'm sure. So I'm just by having it in the show. But I do remember definitely very vividly in some conversations about discussing it or whether or not we were going to do polls. Just not just myself, but other folks were leaning on that. Okay, well, maybe. But hey, it's canon. It's in the show. We, we kind of have to. But so yeah, you hear it. And anytime you hear it, it's like, I don't, they don't really say it again, do they? That's the only time it's said in a show that I somebody's probably of. yelling at us right now. Um, I don't recall it if it was. I don't think so either. Unless it was, unless it was dropped somewhere in season four with all the love, you know, for the fans by that point. Um, but yeah, that, that might've been the only time or bird. Yes. So it feels extra special. Yeah. So other character introductions that we have, like you just said, we had when Waverly and Doc meet mm-hmm. and uh, I love how she just says there, I'm an excellent judge of character and I've got a good feeling about you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm and smiling just, ear to ear. <laughs> she's just so naive and she's, she's so you know, positive. Tr- she is so positive though, especially early here in season one. Not that she doesn't, not that she's not all the time, but, to me, it really sticks out the Waverly character. Well, in showing her her growth and all of the changes she's obviously going to end up going through. And I think that's why it's just, it's so shocking to us when these changes start happening, because even when she busts down the door with the shotgun and says, you know, you shit ticket and, you know, all of these things, she's still like, doing it with such pep and like, it's a little bit hard to take her seriously, even though she's holding a shotgun. <laughs> And she's just like so positive all the time. And she's like, I got a great feeling about you. And he's like, I really don't think you do, darling. Right. So then just to think like everything that's coming down the pipeline, 
it's just so. But you know, it's also interesting to balance on that two things from this episode that definitely caught my attention more this time. Number one, when they're in the bar, you know, kind of going to have dinner with Gus before Red comes in. And uh, Winona shows Waverly some of the coloring she had done. And we get that classic one of the whole family. Everyone in that drawing has got big smiles, except for who? Waverly. She drew herself with a frown. And then when they're in the homestead and Winona comes across the, the notches, you know, on the doorframe, you know, Willow, Winona, and Waverly goes, I'm not on there. So there is a little bit of a, you know, hmm, what's that mean? Why is that there? So it's, you know, the pep and the positivity is balanced a little bit by, hmm, there's more to the story we haven't heard yet. Yeah. I mean, the seed of the darkness is definitely planted and her self-doubt and her insecurities. Um, yeah. It's all just like peppered in there just when you least expect it. And you're just like, well, why, why wouldn't she be on there? Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make sense. No, no. And, and just a personal quick thought for me too, seeing that scene with her and Quinona looking at the, uh, the notches. Um, Getting to see that firsthand during our set visit and getting a photo of myself against that. Wow. Talk about making something really swell up in you emotionally. Um, Uh, I'll leave it at that. It's another thing about how I said, you know, it changes how I watch show just like the set design. And, you know, not only are they building these characters in the scripts, that the actors are then going to bring to life. But you have all these, like the drawings that they produced to have as part of the, the, the sets and the, the wall measurer, you know, just like every home has that somewhere in their house, mm-hmm. right. Where you stand up against the wall and you, you get measured and you put the date there, but to, to create that, that physical stuff that goes into the sets it's just, it adds so much to it. Like those drawings, like just, uh, they're so real. <laughs> it's just like, oh my God, Waverly drew that one of her and my Nona. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> it's killing me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, And it is the, you know, the, the Earp sister stuff is very strong in this one. Okay. The powers <laughs> of the force are very strong here. I mean, red comes in the bar and immediately my Nona. Gets in front of Waverly. I mean, immediately is standing in front to protect her. And and then, like I said, the first Herb Sisters by the fire, you know, all the talk about, uh, you know, coming into Black Badge, and, you know, do you know, do a flamethrower, all that stuff. Why not joking? She can demote her to mascot. I mean, that loving stuff in there is just mm-hmm. so beautiful to see, knowing where a lot of that is going to go. I wanted to bring up last week, but I forgot to, is... So the first time we saw the homestead in episode one, it's deserted, it's broken up, it's got caution tape all around it. And then when we see it this week, Winona goes back there with Waverly and she reminds her about how this used to be a home, you know, and they're looking at the wind chimes that mama made and they're talking about the Amalite. Um, And she's saying that they they need to stay there. This is where they're going to be safe, that kind of thing. 
but just to see like the homestead, the very first time we see it, it's it's basically a crime scene and it's all dilapidated and stuff like that. And then the last time we see the homestead where it's it's beautifully done up for a wedding. It's got, you know, all the the added things that have been added to the mailbox. It's just like that bookend that I forgot to mention last week that I was thinking about again this week. It's like, here, Winona's talking about how this used to be a home and she ends up making it a home again. She does. And even talking about the mailbox, you know, we get the fun scene with uh, Doc getting rid of the one that had been, you know, spray painted by hooligans. Um, Mm-hmm. to give them a true perp mailbox when he come on when he holds that one up oh the goofy look on his face too <laughs> but it's just so proud but it's it's you know sh- showing up that perp mailbox like you said and then leading into where we're going to go season four stuff and the wedding and all wow yeah wow how can that not hit you emotionally thinking about that doc's the yeah. one who fixes it t- doc's the one who sets it to kind of get things rolling it just like a mailbox, Kevin. Like, how can we become people who got attached to a mailbox? How does that happen? Why, why do each of these things start to mean what they do to us? Because it's, it's the way that this family, actors, cast, writers, fans, it's, it's what it, because of what it means to us. Each of these things are things to just little touch tones. These scenes, these looks, these phrases, you know, the, the I am the girl with the big ass gun. That doesn't kind of get you right, make you swallow hard thinking about where she's going to go. And she's doing it with her slippers on. <laughs> when they talk about that scene, how they're in the behind the scenes and Dom's like, we were in our pajamas. <laughs> Yes, because it's so real. It feels so real to all of us. Sometimes you don't have time when you're fighting revenants to put on clothes. How many things have we seen in the over the years with, unfortunately, with women having to wear high heels in like fight scenes and running scenes because they got to make them look good and all this other stuff. And no, our heroes can go out in their PJs and slippers and and take on exactly. You know, the spawn of hell. We got it. We got this. Yeah, we got this. <laughs> We've survived hot dog stuffed pizza. We could survive this. Another good line from this episode. In uh, that mailbox scene, too, where they're just, they're at their fire and they're just kind of, you know, talking about Doc. And um, Waverly says that he's not a bad sight in Champ's jeans. And that's when Winona realizes, like, oh my God. Yeah, he was the That one. was him, yeah. right? <laughs> But thinking about that too, I guess I never realized that Winona grazed him yeah. with Peacemaker in the ear. That's why he was bleeding. Yeah. He, he was bleeding when he goes back to the thing. And Doc shot at her and he missed. Well, he and shot. Doc doesn't miss. He didn't. He didn't. You no, know, this is the way Kevin took it. He didn't miss. He shot her hand so they got the gun out of her hand. And again, I mean, coming back to your point about grazing him again. Peacemaker, sentient, knowing Doc's a good guy, not allowing Winona to actually shoot him. Right. You know, because, yeah, when he goes back to see Bobo and he's got, you know, a cloth on his ear, at first I, it didn't connect until rewatches to go, oh, oh, that's right. When Winona drew on, okay, okay. And that this isn't the first time 
they would be drawing on each other, pointing guns at each oh, other. Either. Oh, yeah. Don't even get me started about that season three. And there's, yeah, season there's a two, couple times. Season two, the yeah. split bullet. Yeah. The split the bullet. The I just watched this one the other day uh, with Casey where she points it at him in the glory hall. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the backfiring one. I mean, so many times. Yeah. So See, man, you got them all rifling through my head, Ian. <laughs> We'll, we'll pick him up again in another episode, I'm sure. And I was like, gosh, he never misses. And Peacemaker has got a mind of its own. So, of course, it just grazed him. And neither one of them was really out to kill. Right. What's going on here? And um, Again, with that mailbox scene, when um, Waverly is like, I think he's just a crazy Wyatt fan. And he's definitely one of the good guys. And Wynonna says, oh, that everything in her body says he's definitely one of the bad guys, which is what draws her to him even more. Yeah. And then Waverly says, isn't he kind of old for you? Which is hilarious because she has no idea he's like 150 old. years old. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you have no idea how old he actually is, Waverly, but you're right. And <sighs> another fun one talking about crossing real life with the show world in that scene where, uh, you know, Doc's trying to steal the stuff and they shoot each other. And Winona has to bend over to pick up Peacemaker after Doc gets away. She puts down her coffee very gently. We all know how much <laughs> Mel loves coffee. So I could just see Mel going, oh, I'm not going to drop this. I am placing my coffee right here very nicely while I pick up Peacemaker. <laughs> I was thinking of that exactly because it was like, heaven forbid you spill the coffee. <laughs> and how how often Winona has coffee. Just in this last episode I watched where she she covers up the guy's head on the morgue and she like rests her hand with the coffee on yes. it. It's like the coffee. It's always with the coffee. <laughs> uh, with a couple of the recent fan expo cons where Mel and Tim have been guests, you know, around the time we're recording this episode folks here, uh, early November, 2021, one of the Erpers who was going to see them for the first time reached out to me and said, Oh, Kevin, you spent so much time with Mel. Do you know how she likes her coffee? I want to bring her a coffee. And I'm like, okay, well, it's been a couple of years since I've, you know, been with Mel at a con or seen her. So I think I know, but I don't dare tell you anything that's wrong. Um, so I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not sure. Because again, I don't, you know, knowing how much Mel loves her coffee, I do not want to make that mistake. So it was funny because that herber said they talked to Mel and they mentioned that they had asked me. And Mel being Mel said, well, Kevin should know. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I'm more willing to take the hit on. I should know rather than telling you something that was wrong, because then I definitely would never hear the end of it. So it, this is true. <laughs> this is is very it black? True. It is black. I want to say it's yes. black. But again, it had been a few years, a couple of years. And I'm like, sometimes people adjust. So I'm not risking sending you with the wrong cup of coffee to Mel. <laughs> I want to say I heard. And again, it could have even been in one of your interviews. I want to say black and hot <laughs> yeah, i do believe yes yeah and there's a great bit on one of the uh dragon con panels um the one one of the ones i moderated uh, a couple of years ago where mel was waiting for her coffee before that panel but they didn't get there and carol malcolm the director of the urban fantasy track that oversees the one on panels at the con was the one who brought it out to mel and that's the one you see a lot of photos of mel just gushing over Carol and holding yeah. her and giving her a big hug. I love just you. Just because she like, brought her coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Bobo. We meet Bobo. Michael Eklund, man. Michael Eklund. What a great find. 
what a great person to play that character. Man, I, oh man. Like, it's just, he's Bobo in real life, isn't he? He is. And he I mean, isn't. I know he's like the sweetest guy, it. but it's just like, it's so hard to just not see Bobo when you see him. I had the great pleasure at uh, Erpercon, uh, the very first Erpercon, Erpercon UK in 2017. I was uh, one of the staff there and I was the handler for my for that con along with moderating the panels. So I spent hours with him at his autograph table. And that man made every single Urpu who came there for, a, for an autograph or anything, made them feel like they were king or queen of the world because he just, just like all the other cast is, that's what we've learned over the years. But because of most people have only seen him as that character, he was so caring, so interested, so supportive because he's someone who likes to do art things. He likes a lot of art. Every one of his autographs, he like draws a little bobo or something else on them to make them unique. Um, it was just wonderful to watch him interact. He was so caring and willing to stay late past the time they would do to stop because he still had people in line. It was just, again, getting to see both sides of that. And that's someone who, if you've listened to any of the con panels, folks, you know, he just appreciates as a character actor who's gone from show to show to show playing for one episode here or a few episodes there for the experience of what he's seen from the Erpers and, and this, you know, it's, he said it many times. It has just been, you know, just an amazing thing to see that. And he truly gives it back in the same way. So yeah, he's so great at playing crazy, but he can be such a warm and caring man too. I had no idea that I would grow to like a character so much because Bobo just, I thought he did so many gross things in the beginning I mean, he's just, he's such a bad guy in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And as his character develops and we learn about his story, I just, I never expected to be rooting for someone and being sad when the bad guy is gone Yeah, so much. Yeah. I mean, and the way he goes out, it was just like, it's like, he's gone. He's really gone. And, and you miss him. And you're like, well, I know like, this, this is not good stuff, but it's like you were really rooting for him and hoping there was a way that this could have been turned around. And then when he made the choices he made, it was just like, no, why'd you do that? No, Bobo. <laughs> like you had a chance. Like it could have came out differently. And it's just, it's so great when there's a bad guy that you're kind of rooting for. Oh yeah. Because of the development, as we're going to see from the Vision Quest episode, even just to the respect he and Winona have, especially as it plays out through later in season one. And then when we get the chance to have him back, you know, when Winona dies briefly and he's resurrected, right. I was, I remember when that episode, I was just so excited that we were going to have Michael Eklund back to, to cause problems and to interact with the characters. And everything. It's, uh, it was so great to see. And the whole like messed up relationship with Waverly and just how amazing that whole storyline is and how how convoluted it is i mean it's not a clear path to any of that stuff and the way it just comes out in these bits and pieces wow i like have no words because then i'm just going to get all down a rabbit hole of bobo and waverly and yeah. we're not there yet no no i can't wait till we get there <laughs> i know we're not there yet we have to kind of otherwise we could just go straight through nine hour podcast get it all out there but yeah, uh, Bobo coming in, I was like, who is this guy? What is going on? And then there's that part where Doc says to Bobo, it's just a matter of time before the Earps figure out who I really am and what I did to their great, great granddaddy. 
And it's just like, what is happening? Yeah. It just all these different ways that you get these bits and pieces of this old time story that are just starting to bubble up at the surface. Yeah, it is. Well, like, and we're two episodes in, so there's going right. to be so much time for it to all develop and overlap and come to junction points in a road where people are going to make decisions and what it means going forward from there. So, you know, the part in the bar when it's Winona, Gus and Waverly and peacemakers on the bar mm-hmm. and all of a sudden the camera zooms in on it and makes like this tight circle to highlight it kind of like yep. that comic booky feel to yep. it. I feel like they did that again in 310. Um, she wouldn't be gone where peacemakers in a tree and doll sees it in that that's the one where they they end up finding Willa. There's like another like kind of zoom in comic booky. Okay. But after that, I don't really feel like we see that kind of like camera work or special effect again. Mm, okay. Yeah. I, I kind of wish they would have done more more of it. It is interesting though. I wonder I wonder whose choice that was. You know, is that an Emily thing? Is that a director thing? You know, that's one of those interesting tidbits on on who gets that call. I I kind of like that it wasn't a thing throughout every episode. Right. Right. Because I don't like there are some shows where it's like you definitely have like that graphic novel feel to it. Right. Yep. But when it does happen, I'm like, oh, I kind of really like that. So I'm torn on it. I don't even know why I brought it up. No, it's than, a good observation though. You're right. I'll, I'll pay more attention when we get to that. But I think it was 310 mm-hmm. where it's like he, like the wolf is coming. And that's when the peacemaker is in the tree. Oh, another, um, Another first meeting, like you had talked about, I think you mentioned Dolls and Nicole, and he's he's just such an ass to her, and how he's like, if you ever don't knock again, I'll have you arrested for treason. And then Wynonna kind of scoffs at him, and she's like, she did knock Dolls. You sure you don't want to threaten her with death? I had to rewind because I'm like, she did knock. She totally knocked first. I haven't. I never really paid attention to it. Um, and then I also just like went deeper and I was like, is this the start of why not? Where like, she's actually already defending Nicole in this early glimpse of friendship. Mm-hmm. Well, again, he's, he's as you said, he's being such an ass and trying to establish who's in charge that, uh, yeah, he's just totally overboard there. You're right. Totally mm-hmm. overboard. And sometimes it, the best thing the easiest way for people to come together is by having a shared enemy. <laughs> I think at that point in time, it's everyone's just kind of like, he's a dick, right? We all agree. Yeah. He's a dick. Okay. Let's talk about that. <laughs> Some more of the story. We, we find out that Waverly was four when mama left and uh, the way it's phrased is she up and moved away. We learned that Winona knew the whole time where mama was. Again, protecting Waverly. Yeah. You know. And you know, just lying to dolls. Yeah. I, I like that you know, she kept some stuff s- still secret from him yeah. because well, well, she doesn't know. Yeah. And also she's been around the block a bit. She knows. Well, she might so be starting smart. to trust him. It's it's still very early in their relationship. She's got street smarts. Yeah, that's what it is. That's why Kuru wanted her brains. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Excellent observation, Anne. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, 
it, behind the scenes. What do you got for behind the scenes? No, just a couple of things interesting on on a bit of what we talked about here in that uh, Emily talking about, you know, the challenges of doing an episode number two after you've had so long and so much in, you know, much time to get that first one uh, together. And you often get input from a lot of people and then boom, you're in it. It's now, you know, TV production time, eight days, let's go bang. Um, and the challenge of, as we saw between Nicole and Bobo, two key parts coming in here in the same episode. Uh, Cause I remember having an exchange with her on Twitter about that uh, right around the time, you know, that uh, I watched those first couple of episodes about the challenge of that. And, you know, as a TV viewer, not thinking about it, but her mentioning that approach and, you know, what a great job she did on that. Um, and also another thing that's come out in interviews, I know we did it you know, when we talked to her on Tales of the Black Badge, but also in other print interviews, and, and you sometimes lose sight of this as a TV viewer, um, it, you're writing scripts and stories, but you don't know what your actors are capable of yet. You know what I'm saying? You, you know, as, as Emily has said, you hope that they develop in the direction of what you want to see. But as she said in the behind the scenes, knowing who's better with jokes than they might have thought, who's better at kicking ass and doing some other things. And if you go back and watch with that viewpoint, but certainly the first half of season one, you kind of see everybody kind of settling into who they are. And then we get a chance a little later on to start seeing some of that, um, not just from what's going to develop uh, between Nicole and Waverly, but even, you know, Nicole and, and, you know, wanting to be in on Black Badge and kind of getting a chance to do that uh, and having some of the great comedy stuff that develops and the timing between the characters. It's just, you know, two or three episodes in, as viewers, you expect everybody to have the actors already know their characters and hit their marks and all. And it's still, still so much is still coming together. Um, right. So you just appreciate that. I And I appreciate Emily talking about those types of things, her, her saying that, you know, episode two, for example, is one of the, is harder to write sometimes than the pilot because of all the factors that you just said, because I just see it and I'm like, you do amazing things. It, you know, it's so easy for us, the viewer to just be like, I don't know, you're great at it. You're magical, but there's still a struggle on the, on the artist end of it and the writer's end of it to like make it all work. It's when people are just so good at what they do, it's, it's easy to forget that it's, they're still doing something that's really hard to do or everybody would do it. Um, so I appreciate that, like that honestness about it where she just talks about like, yeah, this is like, the really hard part is doing some of these things and then just to see how it unfolds too. you talking about not knowing what these, these actors are capable of and to see, you know, someone like Kat who comes in and doesn't even end up, you know, in the opening credits as a main character until much later. And then to see things like season four happening where it's just like, the range of everyone where you've got the comedic chops, you've got the face acting, you've got the physical acting, you've got the fighting. I, I'm still always in awe of, of how they can pull that off and just be so dynamic, each one of them. Yeah. I mean, just take a look at uh, Dom and what we see of Waverly here in season one and start thinking of just, just to season two between, you know, singing, um, you know, some of the fight scenes, the cheerleading, the dance stuff, and just thinking about how much they were able to expand into what they did. Just mind-blowing. Well, we're talking about how 
Waverly's the, you know, the nicest girl in purgatory and the nicest person in purgatory. And then to see, you know, how naive Waverly seems and then Waverly's it's hard to believe that, you know, oh, you're really going to shoot me at that shotgun because you seem just so nice. And then again, to see that range of where Dom ends up taking this character it's just all of them, you know, it's, it's like, you kind of expected it from, from Mel as the main character, right? Winona's this tough person who's going to come in and be the hero that saves the day. So we expect that that's this character and that's what they're going to be capable of doing. And then some of the surprises that we get with Mel is, you know, these crocodile tears and, the heartstrings and the emotions that end up it's like you expected the physical part of it because she comes in strong blowing up motorcycles and then you're just torn apart with these these moments that she has with Waverly and with Jock on the porch and it's like the range of all of them throw a stone hit any one of them and they're going to be amazing because again it's that whole lightning in a bottle thing that's become cliche at this point but it's not wrong. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, just because it's a cliche doesn't mean it's not true. <laughs> exactly. Sure. And Dom's also talking about in the behind the scenes too, about working together with Mel and just like hanging out afterwards and how they have this sisterhood and they drink tea together afterwards. And I think too, just learning about how they shoot and they stay together in Calgary for these big periods of time too. And how that's unique to this show is just really something that I found interesting. And you have to wonder how much that plays into how everything just kind of came together. Yeah. And it was an interesting tidbit. Um, that sci-fi media call that I mentioned earlier in the podcast uh, that I was on, um, you know, when they're doing these calls, you know, the moderator basically you know, let's each of the different media folks come on to ask a question and they uh, shut off that microphone and let other people go. And, and they got to the very end, thanking everybody for being there, blah, blah, blah. Be sure to watch our show next week. It premieres. Um, and then, you know, thank you everyone. And then, you know, naturally everybody starts to hang up. That's the end of the call. And I was on, um, I was using like a, a notepad to take some notes and add like an earphone thing in. So as everyone's hanging up, I'm not hanging up only because I want to finish making a note that I've got to myself. And as, as they're all, you hear the sound of every call dropping off. Just at that very end, all of a sudden I hear um, Mel go, Don, you still there? Yeah. Okay. Hey, come on over. Let's have a drink together. Let's, you know, let's have, I think it was have some tea or have some muffins or something. But the two of them were just doing like any of us would do at the last second when everybody's getting off a call, like, you know, hey, come on over. Let's, you know, sit down again. So they were doing that. And this was before the show had even premiered. Right. I think too, it's just, it's fun because it's fun to hear that people that we like so much like each other. And like, it's not even just the characters, it's the people who play the characters and to hear that they like each other. I don't know. Yeah. It just, it feels nice. It does. <laughs> you know. No better way to put it, I guess. And Dom has talked to, when we had, them on the podcast on the tales black badge podcast um and I, I know they've talked about it in other interviews too you know the interview uh, i shouldn't say the interview the audition went so well they just wanted to be friends <laughs> with mel yeah. and emily even, even if they didn't get the part 
it was such a good connection there. So, you know, again, destiny, destiny is going to happen. I think that's what it boils down to is we all just want to be friends with all of them. (laughs) (laughs) They're so likable. I'm constantly saying, I just want to go have a drink with them yes. and talk about whatever, like anything I'm interested. <laughs> and I, that's for any of them. Like I said, pick, pick one and I won't say no. All right. Well, I think we talked ourselves in en- ourselves in enough circles <laughs> in this episode. Uh, that won't be the last time, will it? <laughs> It's not going to be the last time. I'm finding myself in a pickle where we know it all, right? So how do you not talk about it all now? The pacing ourselves, like I said before, you want to have a six-hour podcast or just lay it all on the... We should have a marathon where we just start talking about it from the beginning and we don't stop. How many days do you think it would take us? I, I don't want to think about it because I just enjoy the fact that we know we still have a lot more to talk about. I don't want to marathon anything. I don't want to binge it. No, I want to spread true. it out. I want to enjoy the time between, start thinking about some of these things, start getting feedback from all of you on them. So that's why in my head, I'm trying to avoid the Netflix model. And let's exactly just, let's take our time on this journey. We do want to hear from you and uh, we can hear from you through our website, which is now working. You can visit us at herbologypodcast.com and even leave us a voicemail by clicking on the microphone in the bottom right of the page, or you can uh, email us. You can do that directly through the website, or you can do that by emailing us at herbologypodcast at gmail.com. Yes, please folks. It's been great seeing some of that interaction on social media or a couple of emails already. So no need to be bashful. We love to see it all. We love to see it all. Let us know what you thought about episode uh, 102. Let us know. Tell us what we missed. You, yeah. <laughs> tell us what we missed. Tell us. Uh, did you notice right away that the revenants all had the same symbol? Have you gone down the rabbit hole of looking at the symbols? I'll put it in the show notes. The rabbit hole I found was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we love to hear all about it. Um, share it with us. If there's something in a, a future episode that you want to make sure we don't miss, let us know. Um, yeah, just drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. And if you're not aware, again, it's listed on our website, but uh, on Twitter, you can find us at herpology underscore pod. Feel free to give us a follow, share any thoughts or anything right there. Uh, as we- had a good laugh early on both of us <laughs> are monitoring it so who knows who might respond but hopefully one definitely uh yeah thanks for hanging out with us and uh we'll see you next time for episode 103 bye Take care gang <laughs>